The way of a man is right in his own eyes. You know, there isn't a man in the world can keep on doing wrong and be comfortable without even selling himself that what he's doing has at least some moral value. The tendency of man is to justify himself. The gangsters in the underworld sell themselves on what they're doing. Murderers sell themselves when they kill, that they've got a right to kill. Fellow ought to die, I'm going to kill him. That's the tendency of human nature. It's strange how men can sell themselves on the wrong thing. It's very strange. They bring themselves around to the idea and keep on. They sell themselves. They start out maybe with standards. Uh, for instance, a girl falls in love with a boy. She knows she shouldn't marry him. Her head says, don't marry him. He's not the man for you. But she goes to selling herself on marrying the fellow. And it's strange how she can sell herself on the man she's going to marry. But she sells herself. She loves him. She wants him. She sells herself. And after a while, she said, well, I think he's a man for me. And she goes and marries him, stands up at the altar, and justifies herself. When she started out in her own head, knowing it wasn't a thing to do. Strange about this human heart and human mind. Now, a man's way is right in his own eyes. Starts out that way. But God looks at the heart. See? God looks down and said, now, what's the motive that prompts that fellow? What's he doing that for? What's guiding him along the way? Why is he doing that? He's killing somebody. God said he, he has a heart of a murderer. The soul of a murderer. He, it's in him. God always looks at the heart. Heart. Motive. Motive. Did you know the easiest thing in the world is to find out what's right? If a man's an humble man, all you have to do is just be an humble, ordinary man if you want to know what's right. If that's the thing you want to know most, it's the easiest thing in the world to learn. But if you want to pull something around to your side, it isn't very easy. But you can do it. Give you time. You know, it's the strangest thing. I know one preacher finished at Bob Jones University. And uh, he was one of our true blue fellows. Oh, boy, he said, I'm for this testimony. I'm for this thing. This is what I stand for. And one day we drove down the road together and had a wonderful talk with him. He was a fellow that I didn't expect to turn out very well. I knew he had certain defects in his personality. Uh, but he was a likable sort of fellow. Had a lot of personality. And I had one of the sweetest talks with him I ever had in my life on the highway in an automobile. Had prayer together. I got him a job, located him in a place where he could work for God without compromising any conviction he had. And oh, how he thanked God and what kind of letters he wrote me. But one day a fellow came along and kindled fires of ambition in his soul. Told him, now listen just a minute. You can go places. You've got the stuff in you. Now, you just come over here on our side now and take this stand. And we'll give you a job. And we'll promote you. And uh, he talked to his wife, and like most men do, you know, had a nice wife. And she said, well, you know, they're good people in that crowd. And that's a nice fella. Why not? 
And the first thing you know, he moved in. <laughs> and he's there, boys. He got the place all right. Uh, he's almost to the top. Wonderful, wonderful position. Big salary. Doing fine. He's almost vindictive when he emphasized the fact that he's right. And I remember it. I know what he believes. I know what he stood for. Little by little, he sold himself. Devil started and got him on his side and then sold him. And he sold himself and went on. And that kind of fellow uses a fight and has a fighting attitude. You take these fellows that rant rare about certain positions and uh, go around giving tremendous emphasis to something that they weren't for in one time. As a rule, you can figure they sold themselves. Now, Christianity is so different from that. You know, Paul didn't sell himself. God sold him. <laughs> He's going down the Damascus Road. And, uh, you know Paul was converted. No man could have had such a revolutionary change in his life unless it had been a miraculous regenerating power came into it. And he went out and said, now this is the goal. I do all these things for God. Now the wise man says here, and he wrote this with a pen of inspiration, but he he'd observed a good many things. If every man's way is right in his own eyes, but God looks at the man's heart and said, now, what's prompting him? Why is he doing that thing? I wonder what makes him act like that. God says, heart, heart, it's always heart trouble, never head trouble. Listen, it is never head trouble. It's heart trouble. Always a heart. With the heart man believeth in the righteousness. As a man thinking in his heart, not his head. Ordinary, everyday, commonplace people that have the right heart slant and get the right head slant. They're humble people. They'll get advice. They'll sit at somebody's feet that ought to know more than they know. And by the way, let me tell you young people something. It's a mighty good thing to sit at the feet of the lowly once in a while. The folks that have helped me most in this world haven't always been the big boys. I think of some humble Christian somewhere. Some lowly woman. Some lovely saint of God that didn't know much. She couldn't have graduated from school, but but her heart was right, and she knew what to say to you, knew how to help you, knew how to lead you along the road. It's strange how well the heart can see when it's right. And it's terrible when you get a little cinder in the eye of the heart, a little cinder of ambition. A little speck gets in there and gives you a little trouble. And sometimes your eyes actually go out. And you get where you don't see right. And if you see at all, everything's out of proportion. You look at this and the job gets so big and principle gets so little. The world's honors seem so great. And Jesus, who gave up all the honors and took upon himself the form of man, begins to get little. Oh, except theoretically. I didn't mean to stop at that verse. To do justice and judgment is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. You know, there's a lot of our religious parade in this country that we think satisfies God. 
Why, he said, I just rather you'd live right than do all that sort of thing. Nothing wrong with ritualism they had in the Old Testament, ordained of God. Nothing wrong with formality. That's all right, you know. Nothing wrong with being decent and dignified in your worship. But when the worship gets big, and God gets little, and the singing of the song gets big, and the one about whom you sing gets little, pretty bad business. That's the way it goes, he says. Forms and ceremonies. He said, you better be right than have all that religious parade. You better be right than even to have a religious strut. You know, with this religious formality, God them looks like they'd be there. Interesting thing that the services that draw the greatest crowds uh, in this day and time, especially among evangelical Protestant Christians, the services that draw the greatest crowds are the services of less formal, rather strange, isn't it? Uh, the most formal services I've ever attended on Sunday night were usually the smallest services in the name. You know, when you put form in the place of God, a sacrifice, a ceremony in the place of God, you get in trouble. You remember on the Old Testament, I think I talked on it one time in chapel. Uh, you know, the army of God, the army of Israel is getting licked, you know. Just getting their life licked out of them. And somebody said, I know what can help us. You know, we can whip them. Said, I tell you what, let's do. Uh, you go bring the Ark of the Covenant over here, and it, it, I-T, it, will save us. And they went and brought the Ark of the Covenant over there and got licked worse than ever. It couldn't save you. It never does save you. No it ever has saved. No ceremony ever has saved. No formality ever has saved. Takes more than it to save us, Ellen. People wear charms and all sorts of superstition. <laughs> Looking to some it to take care of. Let me tell you something. If you ever get through, it'll take God Almighty to take you through. It, the church, it can't save you. Education, it can't save you. People talk about education. Talk so wisely, I believe in it. Of course we do. Nobody's patient with ignorance when you can get along with without it. But you know, uh, sometimes I think we figure education is going to do something education can't do. I've told you a lot of times all education can do is to press your pants, powder your nose, comb your hair, Dress you up a little. You have the same heart. But it doesn't get into the heart. It presses your pants, that's education. It combs your hair. It shines your shoes. It makes you attractive. It gives you a little love for the beautiful and the cultural. But he fixes the heart. He, he, the omnipotent God. The all-conquering Christ gets into the heart. That's the only hope in this country. Education saves. <laughs> Fixes all up. Get rid of ignorance. Ignorance! I've said so many times, but some of you knew and never heard me say it. I'll stop and say it now. You know some of the 
most illiterate people I've ever known were the best educated people. Difference between illiteracy and education. An illiterate person is a person that can't tell you what he knows. An ignorant person is a poor fool that doesn't know anything to tell you. I hate to say this, because I'm not encouraging anything. I want us to believe in education. We believe in it. But let's give it its proper place. Let's not crowd God out with our idea of education. I knew an old man, and I stood this grave not long ago, that could scarcely write his name. I knew him now as a boy. I remember him well. I used to hear him pray in public. I stood this grave down southeast Alabama the other day and cried. I remember how he used to talk to God. I've seen him out in the corner of the fence in the fields, talking to God and getting up with his face, tears all down his face. He knew God. He could tell a sinner better how to be saved than some of the biggest men in the biggest pulpits of this nation. You know, we are trying to run a school with a cultural emphasis, but all the time keeping that something here that builds us up spiritually. If your Ph.D. keeps you from bending your knee at a mourner's bench with a sinner, you better never had a Ph.D. If your theological seminary course and your theological training stops you from soul winning, it's not of God Almighty. I've known them to win souls till they went to the seminary. Now, don't misunderstand me. We believe in a seminary course. We're not discounting any of that. But we are trying to give it its proper place. When you stumble over a degree from a school in your effort to win the loss to Jesus Christ, your education's question. You'd better be able to go to heaven and take a poor sinner along with you. And when you get up there, the angel says, check in. And say, I'm sorry, but I can't write. I'm here in heaven, but, you know, I've never had any advantages. And I'm sorry I can't write. But if you'll write it, I'll make a little cross. That's the way I used to sign the note. I make a little mark there. You don't have to go to heaven that way. I have any patience anybody won't learn to write his name. I have no patience anybody won't study. I have no patience with folks that are not interested in education. But I've got a contempt for people that get education that slows them down for Almighty God. God Almighty is interested in something more than he is culture. No academic procession that ever marched down the corridor or across a university campus is any substitute for a mourner's bench. And all the lovely language and beautiful music 
and opera and drama and all the refining influence of education is no substitute for having the right kind of heart. You can't quite wash your heart and make it right. The storms will come, the rains will fall, and wash off that whitewash. It's the same black heart. Listen, you can take the most cultured man that ever walked this earth. He may be an outstanding scholar. But the heart of the natural man is incurably sick. If Einstein, with all he knows that I never will know, and don't know even some of the things he's talking about, if Einstein went to heaven and somebody said, Yonder comes a man that knew things. He was a thinker and a discoverer of great physical truth. And if he didn't have a regenerated heart, he'd set up a stench that would run all the angels out of glory. Your heart unregenerated is so dirty, if you got near God, he'd have to hold his nose from the filthy stench of unregeneracy. Suppose you hadn't had a bath for ten years. I haven't anything but contempt for folks that won't bathe. But suppose you hadn't had a bath in ten years. You had on the same clothes you had on ten years ago. The socks hadn't been washed. <laughs> and night you'd just take them off and stand them up in one corner. <laughs> Do you think that you'd be decent for to associate decent people? Don't you think nice, clean people will say, I won't... I want him away from me. Now, there are folks like that. A woman told me one time that her husband had a... He was allergic to water. <laughs> she cried. She was an educated woman, a graduate of a university. And she told me that her husband refused to marry and they'd been married for years. He never had gone about the water except to wash his hands a little and shave. And her heart was broke. He was a pious Christian talking man. Nobody that's refined wants to be around people like that. But the city of culture is up in heaven. They have culture in heaven. Everything has its proper place. You've never heard music like you're going to hear in heaven. Angels will play on harps of gold. You've never seen such glory as you're going to see in heaven. 
You've never contacted such refinement as you're going to find when you get home to God. And think of a dirty, degenerate sinner slipping through the gate, walking down the streets with the ragged clothes of his own depravity wrapping him about. Dirty, filthy, degenerate. Heart that's black and rotten. Dead and trespasses and sin. Do you think God Almighty would let him stay there under fire that city? Listen to me. Bob Jones University believes in culture. We do not think there's any substitute for metal sweat and real efficiency. And we are in business where God requires and demands the best. But this institution knows that there's no substitute for the right kind of a heart. And you can't fit in here unless you have. All the misfits we've ever had in this school were not intellectual misfits. They were heart misfits. There's never been the employee of this institution that we couldn't have found something for him to do if his heart had been run. He might not have been a teacher of music or speech or art or language, but on this campus is always a job for a man whose heart's right. Men like that are so badly needed. They're always needed. They're so scarce in this world. And when you find one, he's so wonderful. You just need him. Somebody said to me, she married a man, just had his Ph.D. Had he been to the fountain filled with blood that flows through Emmanuel's veins where sinners plunge beneath that flood and lose all agile stains? If he hasn't been there and you've been there, He'll not make you the right kind of a husband. You can marry him, all right. But he won't make you the right kind of a husband. And let me tell you something else, too. You know you can marry regenerated people that are saved by grace, but they get sometimes a wrong slant and give you trouble. Satan hath desired to have thee, that he might sift thee as wheat. You know, most of us who are Christians, they've come to times in our lives where we got off pitch, and it wasn't in the head either. It's in the heart. And when you got off there, you just didn't think right. Your attitude wasn't right. Your outlook wasn't right. Your slant on life wasn't right. You degenerate into a troublemaker. Listen, you can't be right till you get right, and when you get right, you've got to stay right to be right.
You know, I don't know whether devil's ever been hold of you since you were a Christian, but he's bothered me a few times. You know, one time I never had been tempted to hate men in my life. But a fella did me such a dirty deal one time. And I had a chance to do him a dirty deal. And between you and me, I started to do it. But I remembered that I was a Christian. It takes a lot of grace to be kind to a man that's unkind to you. And some people don't even know what kindness means. Wait just a minute. Suppose somebody wrote us and said, so-and-so graduated Bob Jones University. Wants a position here. Can you recommend him? And the office has to write, we can't recommend him. We are sorry. That's being true to a cause. But this thing of taking personal spites out on people, that's different. We've expelled students from this school that ought not to have stayed here if we'd been patient with them. And after we got rid of them, their own parents, some of them that call themselves Christians, went around and dipped their tongues in the slime and slandered and tried to spare the testimony of the school. They just weren't right. You know, there are a lot of folks in this country that talk mighty pious, great for orthodoxy, some of them. Technical theologians, purity of the church, all that sort of business who have hearts full of bitterness. God Almighty says, sacrifice won't take the place of the right kind of. This is an institution that puts first emphasis on the heart. Second emphasis on discipline. Third emphasis on education. That's a Christian institution. A Christian institution doesn't start with the head. It starts with the heart and climbs up to the head. Nowhere in the Bible did God Almighty say, Come under me with your head. He says, Let's reason about the thing. But you know, a man has to have the right kind of heart for he'll be reasonable. Any two men that have the right kind of hearts can sit down and be reasonable. God said, Come, let's reason together. Those folks had a little something to them, or God wouldn't stop to reason with them. Men with the wrong hearts are unreasonable. Let's reason these out. Though your sins be a scarlet, I can fix them for you. There was something there in those fellows. You never saw a sinner that, unless he just was a fellow on the verge of getting right, that was reasonable. He can't be reasonable. It's in the heart where men are reasonable, not in the head. Now, a man can be fair sometimes, is he? But you can take an old sinner in this town. He can be fair to Bob Jones University as an American's fair to an institution. He can be sensible enough to say they pay their debts. He can be sensible enough to say they trust those fellows. 
He can be sensible and say they're business, a good business asset. But he cannot be completely reasonable to say this life about certain positions of this school. He may say we have the right to have that kind of school. But you try to sell him some technical spiritual emphasis if he's a sinner. He may be for your business. He may be for your culture. He may be for your programs. But not for this other thing. Let me read it again. I didn't get to the one I want to talk about. Maybe I'll get to it Thursday before I leave. To do justice in judgment is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. More acceptable. To be right in God's sight is more acceptable to God than any ceremony that man may have or take part in. To be honest in heart is far more in the sight of God than paying the debt that you owe. Because if you're honest at heart and can pay the debt you owe, you'll pay it. The thing you would do if you could do, God Almighty figures you've done it. It's always a heart. Now here's what I won't talk about, and I've got to close because the time's up. And high look, and a proud heart, and the plowing of the wicked sin. I think I'll talk to you on that Thursday. I meant to talk that this morning, read these verses above it, and didn't get to it. But maybe on Thursday I can talk to you on the plowing of the wicked is sin. Our Father, we pray thee for the blessing of God upon us. Help us never lower our standards, never wave. Lord, it doesn't matter how rough the sea may get or dark the night may be. Help us through all the years ahead of us till Jesus comes to keep on keeping on here, putting the emphasis here. Help us to be reasonable, simple, practical, humble. Save us from ever getting in this school the intellectual academic strut that freezes the heart. Help us to always keep in the hearts of our faculty and in the hearts of our students and the hearts of everybody around here a warm spiritual zeal and fervor. Lord God, that's what this world needs. The scientists have done a great deal for us, but they have made some bombs that are about to blow up the earth. And we're going to need something when civilization falls. And that's something that's going to keep us through the darkness and the cataclysm of tribulation and out of eternity. It will be the regenerating grace of God in the hearts of people. Oh, Lord God, there's something wrong with education that pulls men away from hard experience. There's something wrong with it, God. It isn't right. And that seems to be the tendency they have so much of it. And this nation's filled with schools that started out all right, fervent and spiritual. And time passed. And little by little they set standards up. And little by little they worshipped academic standards. And little by little they did this and that. And all the old fire's gone. We think of the great universities of this nation that were built by the sacrificial gifts of the saints of Almighty God. We think of the mighty revivals that came to these great universities in days gone by. And how cold they are now. 
Lord God, please help us here at Bob Jones University. We don't know so much, but we know what we're talking about now. And we know what this school needs and what these young people need, what this world needs. Lord God, keep the fires burning. Help us to be right at heart. Keep us simple and humble and trusting saints, always at heart, right in our relation to God. Hear us in this prayer. We pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.